Hi, I'm Tony, and I'm here to explain everything. So you better get comfortable. Quick disclaimer. This podcast is based on 80% actual facts, 10% alternative facts, and 10% meat and meat byproducts. Listeners over 70 years of age must be accompanied by parents. If a rash develops, please see your doctor or clergy. May cause nausea and constipation in some listeners. Thank you. Okay, so today... We are talking about cryptocurrency. Now, for those of you who are still awake after I said that word, I'm going to point out that people generally fall into one of two groups when it comes to cryptocurrency. The first group doesn't understand cryptocurrency. And the second group doesn't care. Well, I'm here to change all that. First, let's address those of you who are confused about what exactly cryptocurrency such as Bitcoin is. You're you're not alone here. Is it a little gold coin like in most of the pictures? Now, wouldn't that be nice and simple? Okay, so what exactly is it? Let's say if you accidentally snorted it, would it irritate your sinuses? Is it a string of letters and numbers longer than the list of reasons not to vote for Donald Trump? Or is a Bitcoin even more ethereal? Like, let's say, what's left on the carpeting the morning after a drunken binge by sugar plum fairies? Inquiring minds want to know what exactly a crypto coin would look like. Can you even see it or smell it or feel it? If you held it between your knees, would you still be able to get to the bathroom in time? Well... The answer is surprising. Well, the answer is that cryptocurrency doesn't actually exist. Now, some of you may be thinking to yourself, Tony, you've been inhaling too much keyboard lubricant Of course, cryptocurrency exists. Otherwise, why would there be so many useless podcasts about it? Well, people think it exists because of a mass delusion called blockchain. Now, here's what a blockchain is. It consists of several thousand techno-nerds spread throughout the world, all visiting the same webpage and saying to themselves, hmm... Look at all those things they're calling bitcoins. I sure wish I had me some of that mochaccino. Well, at some point, one of those nerds, let's call him Waldo, because that seems about right. Waldo says to himself, you know what? The heck with it. I am going to sell my Batman Forever action dolls and buy myself some cryptocurrency. So he sends in his money to the website and boom, all of a sudden, thousands of nerds see that Waldo bought himself a Bitcoin. It is now common knowledge 
Everybody agrees, Waldo owns a Bitcoin, even though, again, it doesn't exist. The problem is, of course, is that if the internet crashes, then the Bitcoin that he doesn't actually have would simply disappear, and Waldo would then look back finally on the days when his doll collection was intact. Now, the scary part in all this is that cryptocurrency is a lot like actual currency in that it also sort of doesn't actually exist. What do I mean by that? Well, here's an example. Let's say you went into your bank and said to the teller, excuse me, madam, could you please give me the $100,000 in my IRA that I deposited over the years? Now, what if the kind lady, in response to your request, said, hmm, I'm sorry, that does not ring a bell, that $100,000. We don't have anything like that here for you. But thanks for stopping by. Would you care for a sucker on your way out? Now, your response would probably be no, but I would like a second opinion. So the teller might respond, okay, I think you're ugly too. Now, at this point in the conversation, how would you prove that they had your $100,000? What if there was no paper trail since it was all electronic? Is there $100,000 sitting somewhere with your name on it? No, you would have to depend on someone else's opinion. And so it is with cryptocurrency. If everyone else agrees that you have a Bitcoin, then you do. If they don't, then you don't. There is no money sitting somewhere with your name on it. It's all just a concept, a paper fantasy, or, an, in this case, an electronic fantasy. So, right now, you are probably saying to yourself, wow, this cryptocurrency thing seems like a great opportunity. I think I'll just take my life savings and buy me some of those non-existent entities. Well, as the great investment counselor Bernie Madoff once said, what could go wrong? Regardless, how would a savvy investor such as yourself get involved with this groundbreaking phenomenon? Well, the first and most obvious way would be to buy a coin from someone who already has one, or at least who everybody thinks has one. And then, again, through the magic of blockchain, everyone will think you have one. Strange as it sounds, that's the simplest way to acquire some cryptocurrency. However, let's say you are even more logically and emotionally challenged. In that case, you might choose the second way to acquire cryptocurrency, which would be something called mining. Now, as a warning here, uh, Warren Buffett, the great investment sage from Omaha, would definitely not recommend cryptocurrency mining. However, Jimmy Buffett, from his barstool in Margaritaville, has given it a rousing two thumbs up. Now, in order to mine your Bitcoin, first you will need a very, very powerful computer, or about 800 of them to be exact. That is, if you would like this to happen within your expected lifetime. 
Now, the power of each computer is measured in a unit called the stup. Now, the average computer is about one stup. You are going to need 800 gigastups to make one coin. Now, aside from the initial cost of the computers, which in itself would eliminate any chance of your kids going to college or wearing clothes, for that matter, you also have the cost of the energy to run the computers. Now, in order to power up 800 gigastups, you will need about the same amount of energy as the sun puts out in a year. In fact, these computers are going to suck up enough energy to make a black hole jealous. So the only way to make this operation profitable due to these massive energy costs is to surreptitiously tap into the power lines outside of a nuclear power plant or locate your operation in such a place that allows you to utilize the free thermal activity of an active volcano. Now, it sounds like I'm kidding here, but I am not. And this is where Iceland comes in. Well, as it turns out, Iceland has cheap and abundant thermal power provided by the volcanic activity that underlies the entire country. So if you are thinking of doing this, get your living trust together and don't make any long-term plans because this very same volcanic activity threatens to blow the entire country off the face of the earth at any given moment. But hey, that's one of the things that makes all this so exciting. So at this point, you may be asking yourself, hey self, if this is so cheap and easy to do in Iceland, why don't the Icelanders do it? Instead of just messing around with fish and fish products and difficult to pronounce names. Well, the fact is they tried. And as a cautionary tale, this is what happened. Now, this cautionary tale is 97.3% true, but there may be some meat byproducts sprinkled in there somewhere. A couple of years ago, there was a group of investors that put millions of dollars into setting up a crypto mining operation in Iceland to take advantage of the cheap geothermal energy. So they plunk out their millions. Yes, that's right, with an M, millions. And they install a few hundred souped up computers in an old US military warehouse outside of Reykjavik. Okay, so basically, they plug them into a volcano for the free ice, or energy, and started harvesting bitcoins like Easter eggs. Now, their mistake was they skimped a little on the security budget. I mean, it's Iceland, right? What can go wrong? So they hired just one guy, let's call him Bjorn, after the Scandinavian god of incompetence. Now, Bjorn's only job was just to be there. Boom, that's it, Bjorn, just show up. Like most jobs, only your presence and a pulse is all that is required. I think you can see where this is going.
Anyway, one night Bjorn gets into a bad batch of fermented shark, which is an actual in Iceland, invented before they had refrigeration. Now, this brings up two questions. First, why would you even need refrigeration in Iceland? Second, is there such a thing as a good batch of fermented shark? Anyway, Bjorn decides to take a sick day and go home, neglecting to call his boss and inform him of the slight security breach. Now, at this point, along comes a couple of shady characters who we will call Sven and Lars because I may hurt myself if I try to pronounce their real Icelandic names. Anyway, Sven and Lars, who are a couple of career crooks, may have been behind getting Bjorn sick by somehow diddling with his seafood dinner, Bill Cosby style, or forcing him to listen to a podcast about cryptocurrency. It is unknown to this day. But our boys, Sven and Lars, were certainly prepared for this opportunity because as soon as Bjorn went home sick, they simply pulled their giant truck up to the warehouse and took their sweet time loading it with millions of dollars worth of computers and a potted plant they took a liking to. Then they just slipped off into the night. The perfect crime. Or so they thought. The problem was there are only about 14 people in Iceland and 12 of them are not criminals. So after arriving on the scene, the police did the math and the first reaction was, oh, this is definitely the work of Sven and Lars. We'll just pick them up tomorrow after our morning donut, which they did. Now, at this point, you are probably thinking that Sven and Lars are just not rowing with both oars in the water, and that maybe there should be lifeguards down there at the shallow end of the gene pool. But before you judge, let's skip to the end result of this whole fiasco. The police only recovered a few computers out of the hundreds that were stolen. Apparently, only the ones that Sven and Lars tried to hide under their carpeting while the rest of the computers with a value of millions remain unaccounted for. Meanwhile, Sven and Lars only got several months in jail for all this. That means that it is entirely possible that our homeboys were making millions while supposedly languishing in prison. Now, if this is true, then they have valiantly struck a blow in favor of dimwits and white trash throughout the world. Good for you, boys. Anyway, moving on. The good news after all this is that instead of mining it, there is a much cheaper, simpler way to obtain a Bitcoin. And that would be to buy an already mined Bitcoin from someone else who has one. 
Now, Sven and Lars come to mind here, and, and they are probably uh, having a sale on. So you might want to check with them first. Now, if you're going to buy one from someone else, it's going to cost you about $10,000 to buy an entire Bitcoin. Fortunately, you don't have to make a pig of yourself and buy the whole thing. You can actually buy a tiny, tiny fraction of a Bitcoin. Now, since we weren't very successful in describing what a full Bitcoin looks like in the first place, don't even bother trying to imagine what a one ten thousandth of a Bitcoin looks like. But basically, picture something that doesn't really exist, then make it 10,000 times smaller, and that would give you about a dollar's worth of Bitcoin. Okay, so let's say you've raided your child's piggy bank and the college fund and you've been able to buy yourself $10 worth of Bitcoin. Well, the next question that someone who is feigning interest in the subject might have is, what can you do with a Bitcoin? Well, once you get tired of sitting around watching the value of your Bitcoin go down, you could uh, go down to the local grocery store, um, try and buy a can of uh, turkey chili with your Bitcoin, and this uh, will probably provide the proprietor of the store with a much-needed laugh that he probably hasn't had all day and act as a reminder to you that mostly the only thing that you can buy with your Bitcoin are illicit drugs, a sex slave, or the social security numbers of half the people in the United States. So, in other words... Uh, one stop shopping for an afternoon's entertainment. Um, although eventually, if you spend enough time on the dark web and develop enough warm and lasting relationships, you will have the type of contacts you need in case you ever uh, want to have someone knocked off. Uh, which I'm going to guess you can pay, probably pay for with your, your Bitcoin and also why I'm not giving my address with this podcast. Here's a disclaimer I have to put in. I am not a financial advisor, or even gainfully employed at all, for that matter. Um, although, ladies, I have a lovely basement apartment which provides me with all the privacy I need, uh, unless my mother comes down the stairs, which I told her not to do without knocking. Also, full disclosure, I should say that I do not personally own any cryptocurrency or regular currency, so there's no conflict of interest, uh, or any interest at all, probably for that matter. But thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>